0: podcast in swimming America, the air tour sports podcast presented by my friend Sportsbook. It is Friday, March 31st, 2023 people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day and I hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun Friday pre final four edition of the air tour sports podcast. That is right. If you're watching on YouTube, I am in a hotel in Houston and you can feel the energy of in the city. I know it's perceived as not a great Final Four. I am here to tell you the people that are here are excited. The teams are ready, and we'll obviously open the show by talking Final Four. We'll do our preview. We'll do our picks, storylines, things to watch, and then from there, we'll do some other things college hoops related. One, it is officially stay or go decision season, and we actually got a few interesting players decide that they are coming back for another year of college basketball without even testing the NBA draft orders. I think that says something very interesting. And then from there, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. And when we do, we will look at the transfer portal. Again, it is that time of year as I give you my ranking of the top 15 players in the portal. If you love the portal, and based on the numbers on this show and YouTube, you seem to sure do love it. I will give you the players you need to know, who you need to watch, recruitments, my top 15 players in the portal right now. Before we get started, a couple quick announcements. One. I've teased this the last couple days. It is official. We are doing an AT pod party in Houston. If you live in Houston, Sunday afternoon, the bar is called Pitch 25. It is right by the Houston Astro Stadium. They are hosting an Aaron Torres pod get together. It's a little bit of a UConn thing, but I don't want to call it a UConn thing because UConn has to win before we can celebrate too hard. But pitch twenty five in Houston, we will be there. It's a great place. It is the biggest sports bar in downtown Houston, right near Minute Minute Maid Park. Uh, it holds, I, I was told, up to eight hundred people, so if we could sell that bad boy out. You know, that would speak to to probably something that I'm not even expecting. But we're expecting a good crowd, drink specials, all of that good stuff. Again, pitch twenty five downtown Houston. You can DM me. DM me at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. I will get you details. Going to have a flyer, all that good stuff. If you're in Houston, come check it out. Uh, Also, before we get started, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. Incredible offers. By the way, if you missed it, opening day, Major League Baseball, they had some unbelievable boosts. I'm going to tell you what they're going to do here at the Final Four momentarily, but thank you again to Betfred for all they do. And thank you to Bracket Fanatics for being the presenting sponsor of our Bracket Fanatics, uh, Aaron Torres Pod Bracket Challenge. So the sponsor of our Aaron Torres Pod Bracket Challenge. Listen, been working with Bracket Fanatics for three years. And the thing I want to reiterate to you, just because March Madness is almost done, obviously we will crown our winners on Tuesday's show or Wednesday show, whenever I do the show after the national championship. Um, but just because the bracket is already filled out, you can still use bracket fanatics. You can do paid pools, you can do free pools. If you do a paid pool, um, you know, you can obviously have everybody pay on the site. You don't need to be collecting money from everybody. But then also they do much more than just college basketball, tennis, they do um, you know, the NFL Pick'em challenge. They they do cricket, from my understanding. So bracketfanatics.com. Thank you for sponsoring the Aaron Torres Pod Bracket Challenge, and they are available. For all your bracketing needs. With that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, I'll tell you, I'm here in Houston. Final four Friday is upon us. And I'll tell you this. I know that for the average person, they're not excited. I don't know Miami. I don't know San Diego State. UConn's going to do this. Who cares about Florida Atlantic? What I'm here to tell you is in this city, you can start to feel the buzz. You can start to feel the energy building for what should be, I believe, a fun Final Four. I got in Wednesday, as I said, you can see the hotel room in the background here, but I got in Wednesday, the Uber drivers are ready, the cab drivers are ready, the airports are welcoming everybody, downtown Houston is buzzing, Um, and so just a really fun time, and I think we are going to get two games that are very compelling and very interesting, despite the fact that the average consumer maybe thinks they're quote-unquote boring, I don't buy that. Although I will tell you this, as we start to preview those games, I got in a little trouble. Fun little story time with Torres here. I got in a little bit of trouble with San Diego State social media on Thursday afternoon. That is because on Thursday, San Diego State had its media availability. um, And during that time, uh, you know, know, all four teams, I should say, really had their media availability. And so I bring it up because one thing that I wanted to ask, right, is – a perception that, um, you know, a perception that this is a boring final four. And so to me to insinuate, it is a boring final four is to insinuate that these teams aren't good. And I simply don't believe that Miami is the ACC regular season champ. San Diego state, I think has been one of the best programs period in college basketball over the last decade or so. And so when the San Diego state players were on the podium, I asked the players, point blank, end of story. I said, guys, question for you. People are saying this is a boring Final Four. Do you take that as a shot or a slight? Because you guys have been one of the best programs in college basketball over the last couple of years. Well, Matt Bradley, their star guard, answered the question. And here is what he said. He said, for somebody to make that statement, you can't be a true March Madness fan. You can't be a true basketball fan. Because at the end of the day, everybody had a chance to be here. Those teams, they wanted here they're not here. And so it's really interesting because I'm the one that asked the question that led to that response and why I bring it up is pretty straightforward. It is because, you know, I I wasn't trying to get any specific answer out of the players of San Diego state, but I do think it is again, a compelling narrative that people are claiming that this team is boring, that Miami is boring. That's a direct shot at them. Saying this Final Four is boring is saying that San Diego State is undeserving. Now, I don't believe that. I think I have defended and fought for San Diego State as much as anybody in recent years thought they were good enough to win it all in 2020. We'll get to that momentarily. Thought they were good enough to beat Alabama a few weeks ago. And so I just bring it up to say, everyone got mad at me. They're like, who would ever ask that question? That's such an insult, blah, 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 blah. No, it was a question that I was curious if they felt that way. They did. Matt Bradley expressing that the team is not happy. And so now we get to this game and I'll be blunt. I think the answer, and I think the question honestly reflects that one, we're going to get a good game, but that two, San Diego state is a really good college basketball team, specifically this year ranked in the top 20 to start the preseason mountain West, regular season champs, mountain West tournament champs. They did get off to a little bit of a slow start, but like everybody else, they have portal players, they have new guys, whatever. You know, you, you look at some of the advanced metrics, the advanced metrics say this was one of the four or five best teams in college basketball over the final, probably two months of the season. And so I bring it up because now they're playing a Florida Atlantic team on Saturday that I'll be honest, all of the money in the Betfred sports book is coming in on San Diego state. And I kind of see why San Diego state is a three point favorite in the Betfred sports book. They actually opened as a one and a half point favorite and I'll be blunt. I see why. Now, to be clear, that's not a shot at Florida Atlantic. It's not to say that they're not deserving. It's not to say they don't belong. And as a matter of fact, I weirdly think that Florida Atlantic has been prepared nicely for this game for the path that they have played so far in this tournament. One thing about San Diego State, they are physical. They are tough. And another question I asked the guys on the podium, does it take a while for teams to adjust to your physicality? I think you can watch something on tape, but that doesn't always – Tape doesn't always translate. And when you get on the court and they kind of said like they, they were diplomatic about it, but they were kind of like, yeah, to be honest, sometimes we do notice that a team just isn't ready for the energy that we bring. I say that to say Florida Atlantic is one of the teams that should be. Remember what Florida Atlantic's path has been. They beat Memphis, who is one of the most physical tough defensive teams in college basketball. They beat Tennessee, who was by definition maybe the best defensive team in college basketball this year. And by the way, they beat Tennessee a a week after Tennessee punked Duke. And so I just bring it up to say, I do think Florida Atlantic is going to be ready. But what I would also say is I do worry about this specific matchup a little bit for them. And as a matter of fact, let's just get right to it. Let's go ahead and make my official Betfred Sportsbook pick for this game. I actually do like the San Diego State Aztecs to cover in this game cover the three points. Let me explain why. Listen, this is not a knock on Florida Atlantic again. They have earned their spot here. They are deserving. But a couple of things stand out when you look at them and look at who they are and look at how they play. One, they are a relatively young team. Janelle Davis, probably their best player, a 6'4 sophomore. Um, you know, you go on and on down the list. Elijah Martin, a 6'2 sophomore, smaller guys. Now they're going to play another big, another physical team that I think is probably a little bit more well-rounded than the Memphis team and the Tennessee team that they've played so far in this tournament. And when I look at San Diego State, that is the thing that stands out to me, okay? And we talked about it a little bit on Monday's show. I don't want to nerd out about certain things, but I think it's worth noting like how old San Diego State is, okay? Okay. Because San Diego State, I said it on Monday's show, I think you can argue they took, they have taken advantage of the COVID senior year maybe better than anybody in college basketball. Here is their age bracket, if you will. Matt Bradley, their leading scorer, a fifth-year, sixth-year, excuse me, college basketball player. Beyond that, Lamont Butler, third-leading scorer, third-year college player. Jaden Leday, a fifth-year college basketball player. Micah Parrish. As I've said many times, third-year college basketball player, transfer, big, athletic, whatever. Let's keep it going. Nathan Mensah, fifth-year player. Adam Seiko, sixth-year player. Agwek Arope, sixth-year player. This is one, not only the oldest team in college basketball, this is one of the oldest teams that we've ever seen because of this COVID year. And so being around them, the stage isn't too big. They feel like they belong. They like each other. They believe in each other. They are well-coached. Brian Dutcher knows what he's doing. And there's one other factor that I don't think I've done a good enough job talking about. And I don't think a lot of other people are good enough job talking about either. Let's go back to 2020. That was the year, if you remember, I think you probably do, the NCAA tournament was canceled because of COVID. Well, that season, San Diego State was 30-2 entering the NCAA tournament. They had already played their conference championship game or their conference tournament. Their conference tournament was over when COVID shut everything down. That team was 30 and two and good enough to win a national championship. They might've gotten a number one seed that year. And so I bring it up because I asked the guys about that today and are on Thursday. And they said point blank end of story. They were like, it was really tough. It was really tough to look those seniors in the eye And no, they weren't going to have a chance to compete at the highest level to look at them and tell and know that their careers were over. There was no COVID year of extra eligibility at that point that came the following year. And so I just bring it up because they talked about how they still talk to Malachi Flynn, how they still talk to Matt Mitchell, how they still talk to Jordan Shackle, Yanni Wetzel, guys that were on that team that are no longer here. There are still three, four players, as a matter of fact, four major contributors that were part of that 2020 team that finished 30 and two. I think they want it for their their guys. I also I, listen. I also just think this is a bad matchup. Like it doesn't matter how bad you want it for your buddies and all that. If you're just not good enough, but I do think this is a bad matchup for a young, talented Florida Atlantic team. I just think it's going to be tough for them. And my official Betfred Sportsbook pick: San Diego State minus three. Final score in this one, I will say 69 to 60. San Diego State advances to Monday night's national championship game. Let's get to the second game on Saturday. What did that one be? About 839 Eastern. Is my math right on that? Does that sound about right to you? Might be 939 Eastern. Does that sound right? I think it's 939 Eastern. That is the Connecticut Huskies facing the Miami Hurricanes. UConn is a five and a half point favorite of the Bedford Sportsbook. That has stayed consistent since the night of these drawings. Uh, Since the night we finalized the final four, the over-under is at 149. And I will tell you, I think most people know I went to UConn. Don't think that's a big surprise. This game terrifies me, and the betting trends terrify me, and here's why. It is because UConn open as a five point, five and a half point favorite. My understanding is, unless I'm misreading, most of the money is coming in on UConn. At least, at the very least, the public perception is that UConn is the significantly better team. And the line hasn't moved at all, which means that Vegas and Betfred Sportsbook maybe know something that we don't. And I'm starting to get concerned closer to tip off. And part of the reason I'm getting concerned, I, I, I just, I like this Miami team. I just said it was San Diego State, but being around them on Thursday, being at their media day, they're veteran, they're comfortable, they know who they are, they're confident, they're mature. You know, they had a bunch of questions lobbed at them about NIL and locker room drama and this and that. They just rolled off their shoulders. Like, look, we love NIL because we can help our families. We're learning about business. We're learning about things off the court. This has been great for us. There is no jealousy. Obviously, you could tell. Does does this feel like a jealous locker room to you? Because it doesn't feel like it to us. Same with Jim Laranaga. And so I bring it up because this is a team that has experienced a lot of, you know, not drama, but a lot of just you know, questions off the court and perception off the court. And there's this perception that they're this renegade program and they're this and they're that. And they just kind of embrace it. They're like, yeah, that's who we are. We love each other. Okay, so that guy's making money. Guess what? I'm making a little bit of money too. We're good. Everything's good. But more than just that, it goes back to what I said about San Diego State a second ago. They very much play like that loose, fun, relaxed team. Again, I go back to the question that I asked the San Diego State team. If people are calling this a boring Final Four, what does it say about you? And I think it's the same for Miami. Miami's a good team. ACC regular season champs. But more importantly, what strikes me about what they've done in the tournament so far, they've really won every way you need to win in the tournament. They got up big and just destroyed Indiana. They fell down and had to rally against Drake. They were down 13 points against Texas in The Elite Eight and were able to pull that one off. They also were up big on Houston. Houston made a run, number one seed. And you just sit there and say, oh, here comes Houston. Here comes Houston. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's ball game over and it's Miami at that point going to the Elite Eight. And now, of course, the Final Four. And so when I look at this game, I think there's this perception, oh, UConn's just going to roll. I don't see that. I don't see that. Now, first of all, UConn, they are rolling. But listen, we've talked about this. Like, like the, the narrative is fair, but it's sort of, like, like, Gonzaga was in that game until Drew Timmy got the, the fourth foul. Now, I don't think they were winning it. They were down 10 points with, you know, whatever. 17 minutes to go. It wasn't trending good, but guess what? They were down double figures to UCLA and were able to rally to win. And so, one, I thought that was a good matchup for UConn. Two, it was over the second Drew Timmy got that fourth foul. But three, I look at this game, and I do think it's sort of a bad matchup for UConn. UConn's big. They're physical. Now, they're versatile. They got Andre Jackson, who's a point forward. They got Jordan Hawkins, Tristan Newton. But what makes UConn UConn is their size and their physicality down low. But the teams that gave them trouble this year were teams that were quick, spacing, ball movement. We talked about this on Wednesday. Marquette beat them twice, including in the Big East Tournament. Quick, spacing, ball movement, Cam Jones, Tyler Kolick. The big guys are, are, are more athletic and quick. Not the same as North Chad O'Meara, Miami's big guy, but quick athlete, right? Quick twitch athlete. Xavier beat UConn twice. What do they do? Spacing, ball movement, scoring. They're one of the highest scoring teams in college basketball. What is Miami? Miami's one of the highest scoring teams in college basketball. Um, St. John's. Previously of Mike Anderson, now of big Rick Energy, Rick Patino. But St. John's, what are they? Obviously, spacing ball movement guard play. Seaton Hall, very similar. And so in the end, I will tell you this. I am picking UConn, but I think this is going to be a close one. I will say 74 to 71 is the final score. Yukon wins. I don't love betting the um the, the, uh, you know, I I I, I certainly want to take UConn minus five and a half. I think it's going to be close. I think it might be even more high scoring. As a matter of fact, you know, I'll say this. 81 to 77 UConn wins because I do believe it's going to go over. 81 to 77. I would take Miami plus the points. But I the, the bet I really do like here is the over of plus 140 of not plus of 149 total points. I like the over there. Miami dictates play. UConn can run with them. But this is not going to be easy for UConn. This is not going to be easy at all. Those are your official AT picks. I do have San Diego State advancing. What did I say? 69-60. UConn-Miami in a more high-scoring, entertaining game. 81-77. to 77. Those are my picks. Really quickly before we get to the portal stuff, uh, there is some very interesting um, stay-or-go stuff in college basketball right now. Right. So the stay-or-go decision, that is this time of year. It is when high profile players with NBA potential are kind of making the decision. Am I going pro? Am I staying in college or am I going to test the NBA draft waters and see what's out there? And maybe I stay and maybe I go. Well, one Brandon Miller didn't, you know, there's been, there's been guys that we expected to declare that have declared Brandon Miller is going pro his Alabama career is done to be honest. I think Alabama probably would have forced him out. Even if he didn't want to, I think they got tired of the fiasco at the end. He's an incredible player. Yes, I think that they would have pushed him out. Not They wouldn't have like, it pushed him out, but you know what I'm saying. I, I they, they loved having him. They loved what he brought to that program, but I do think the cloud over the program did wear on them by the end of the year. So Brandon Miller's gone. Keontae George, star guard from Baylor, has declared. I think he's going to be a really good college uh, NBA player. When you average 17 as a freshman in the Big 12, you know how hard that is? So he declared to Quavian Smith nc state declared but what i thought was very interesting was that there have been three players who have actually announced that they plan on staying in college basketball next year now they're not superstar super dynamic players but i do think it speaks to something very interesting first off at duke now Derek whitehead did go pro projected top you know 20 pick whatever but their third leading scorer, Tyrese Proctor, who averaged nine and a half points per game, three and a half assists per game, which actually led the team, he announced he's coming back, was a five star freshman coming into this season. Mark Mitchell, also a five star freshman, averaged nine points, four and a half rebounds per game, 35% from three, kind of a six, seven, six, eight wing. He also announced that he's going to come back. Why do I think that's important? I'll tell you why. It's for this reason it is because. I believe that we're going to start to see over the next couple of years, a changing of things in college basketball. Because in college basketball, over the last 15 years, pre-NIL, there was just this notion that like, if you were a good high school player and you had a chance to make the NBA, just get to the NBA, try to get there, try to make it work, try to get that money as fast as possible. But with Tyrese Proctor, five-star guard, that probably may be a second round guy, Mark Mitchell, 6'7 athlete, maybe a second round guy. I think if this was three years ago, two years ago, pre NIL, those guys just declare and never look back. Now, though, with NIL, I think it's very interesting that they're not even testing the NBA draft waters because I think they, in their heart of hearts, know they're not ready. But I think guys in the past, in their heart of hearts, knew that they were not ready. And so the fact that they're deciding to come back. You know what this says to me? We are starting to see a trickle down effect with NIL where no longer does a player feel obligated to declare because if he doesn't, there's just no money to be had right before the option was you can declare and make some money and hope you make it to the NBA or you can stay and make no money. Now, in many cases, first of all, the star players drew Timmy Hunter Dickinson, Probably Oscar Sheboy, although that's complicated with the international stuff. Those guys are probably making more money in college now than they would as pros. I don't know what Duke's NIL setup is, Tyrese Proctor and Mark Mitchell. I, I'm sure they're not, you know, they're they're not hurting for money. But I think both of them made very smart decisions. I don't know, I think they would have been second round picks, but I don't know if either gets drafted. And so because of it, why even go through the process? If you don't want to go, if you know you're not ready, if you're enjoying college and you're making money, stick around another year, get better, and then after year two, you reevaluate. Very interesting to watch. Very interesting trend. I'm curious to see if we see that more going forward. Something to keep an eye on. Really quickly, there was one other just really big piece of stay or go news. That is that Trevin Brazil from the University of Arkansas announced that he will be returning for another season and I'll tell you I I love this okay so Trevin Brazil I, we've talked about him enough throughout this this show but he was the transfer from Missouri 6 foot 10 hogo sticks for legs jumps out of the gym I had no idea this guy was so good and he was really one of the breakout stars of the early part of the Arkansas season 17 points 6 rebounds against Creighton in the Maui Invitational 20 points and nine rebounds against this San Diego State team that ended up making the Final Four. And so I just bring it up because I think if he plays the, this season, one, Arkansas just has a better year, period, end of story. But two, he was playing like a first-rounder. I don't want to you know, go go overboard, but he was sort of playing like an All-American. He unfortunately gets hurt. The fact that he's coming back, this is huge for Arkansas. I will tell you right now, There is no player in the portal. There is no high school player. There is no one they could get that is going to have a bigger impact on the floor next year than getting Trevin Brazil for another year. Now, Nick Smith Jr., I I, I mentioned the stay or go decisions. He did decide to go. That is not surprising. I still think despite his struggles, he'll be a top 15 pick. I feel bad. I think he did the right thing, the noble thing by wanting to come back. It probably hurt him a little bit. Nick Smith declares, but Trevin Brazil announces he's returning. Can anyone stop the big pig invasion, baby? I think Arkansas is, again, probably going to be a top 10 team. I'm putting together my way too early top 25 right now. Arkansas is going to be really good. All right, so what I want to do, take a quick break. When I come back, we will switch gears and hit the portal. We've done news and notes before. Now it is time to rank the best players in the transfer portal. Going to take a quick break. I will do that next. All right, we'll get back to the show in a minute, but before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook, and the Betfred Sportsbook app. It is March. You want to make wagers, and there is no better place to make them than at the Betfred Sportsbook, the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres Pod and all things Aaron Torres Media. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK, and they have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos, Cincinnati Bengals, Aaron Torres Media. And what I love about Betfred, they do more for their customers than anybody. And here's what they're doing for you this March. You can bet $50 on any game this March, any game, and they will give you up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Go to Betfredsports.com. Make your first $50 wager. You automatically get in free bets. But then how about this? For the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer, you will be insured for up to $200 for the first five weeks. So you you make a few bets and we're all going to win all our bets this March. But if it doesn't work out, they'll give you up to $200 back for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So download the Betfred Sportsbook app, bet $50 on any game, 111 in free bets, plus up to $200 in free bets in insurance the first five weeks. That is all you got to do. Fred Sportsbook, Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Tora sent you. Enjoy March, everybody. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to go ahead and wrap uh, with something. Listen, we've done quite a bit of it over the last couple of weeks. It is Transfer Portal in College Hoops. But what I want to do today is something a little bit different, right? Over the last probably two, three weeks, we've done the Transfer Portal kind of news and notes segment. Who's in the portal? Who's going where? Who's visiting who? Where is this school? All that good stuff. And so what I want to do now is something a little bit different. So the portal's been open three weeks now. And as I do every time around this year, on Thursday, I drop my Transfer Portal power rankings. In other words, the best players that are in the transfer portal right now, I rank them from one and I did 25 from one to 25. So I want to give you my rankings and kind of tell you who these players are, what you need to know, who's recruiting them. But I want to give you a few caveats before we get started. One, it is insanely hard to uh, rank transfers. And I'm not saying like you should feel bad for me, like my life is so tough that I have to rank transfers. But it's just such a delicate thing because you're comparing, say, a 19-year-old kid uh, with a lot of upside to a a fourth or fifth year college player you're comparing mid-major guys that average maybe 21 22 points per game with high major guys that only averaged 11 or 12 or well, what would they be like at the mid-major level and what would the mid-major guys be like at the high major level so that is caveat one and then caveat two is that a lot of stuff is going to change and I say that because just since I published my rankings uh on Thursday afternoon there have been two more marquee portal additions so let's get into my top 15 or so players in the transfer portal. And again, with the caveat, this is an ever evolving thing. Some of these guys may be committed by the time you listen to this. Some of them may have set up visits and oh by the way, uh there may be some new players in there by the time you listen as well. Let's start at number 1. And what I can tell you is definitively there is a new number 1 since I published this list on Thursday morning. That is because on Thursday afternoon, Ace Baldwin a six foot one guard from VCU, who was the Atlantic 10 player of the year, entered the transfer portal. And so, because of it, Ace Baldwin is officially my number one ranked player in the transfer portal. And as far as this piece of news, it's both very surprising and not surprising at all. It's shocking because the kid is just crazy talented and he's a really good college basketball player. But it's not shocking because I'm sure many of you have seen, I think it was Wednesday afternoon, uh, Penn State officially hired VCU head coach Mike Rhodes as their head coach. So VCU's head coach leaves for Penn State. VCU then hires Ryan Odom, who was at Utah State but was famously the head coach at UMBC. But I just bring it up to very simply say that uh, the decision probably isn't that surprising because when the coach left, the kid decided, you know what, I'm going to open my options. And so while it's probably too early to know exactly where he will be recruited by, just know this, any team that needs a lead guard, this is the phone number they're going to pick up. This is the call that they're going to make because Caleb Love, and we'll talk about him in a minute, Caleb Love has definitive pluses, but definitive minuses as well. I think Ace Baldwin from VCU has a lot of the upside with not a lot of the downside, really good six foot one lead guard averaged almost six assists per game this year, 13 points per game. But he doesn't have the crazy shot selection, bad teammate vibe that Caleb Love does. So Ace Baldwin is officially my number one ranked player in the portal. Again, entirely too early to speculate on who will reach out. But I'm telling you, if your team needs a guard, a lead guard, this is a phone call that he that they will make. There's weirdly some I'll say this. I don't think Kentucky is going to call, but there are some weirdly interesting Kentucky ties. Ace Baldwin played for the same AAU program for a while as Emmanuel quickly. So that's something to keep in mind. But obviously, Kentucky has Rob Dillingham coming in, DJ Wagner coming in, Antonio Reeves likely coming back. So I don't think it's a call they make. But I'm just saying is that just about everyone is going to reach out this to this kid. I, and this kid does have very, very, very loose Kentucky ties. Let's keep it going at number two. And it is the player we've talked about the most. And a player that I would argue is probably the most polarizing player in the transfer portal right now. That's our old buddy, Caleb Love. So listen, at this point, we know the deal with Caleb Love. I'm not going to go through his entire resume, but there is a very obvious negative with Caleb Love, and that's that his shot selection was terrible. His stats regressed this year. He shot under 30% from three-point land, under 40% from the field, really inefficient, basically didn't make anybody better, took a lot of bad shots, turned the ball over a lot. I still have him ranked very high, though, for this one reason. He is the only player in the transfer portal right now who has proven he can make big plays in the biggest games in college basketball, right? Because all these guys, whether it's a mid-major guy transferring up, a high-major guy that's already been there going somewhere else, even a guy that's had success, I've never seen those guys hit big buckets in Final Fours. I've never seen them score 30 points in a Sweet 16 like Caleb Love did two years ago against UCLA when he was daggers. I've never seen a guy, you know, he's the only guy that will ever have essentially ended Coach K's career because of the shots he made in that final four where he had 28 points. So Caleb Love is polarizing. We get all that, but he is my number two ranked guard. And I'll just be curious to see, again, who actually reaches out. I've seen on social media already some trepidation from Missouri fans and other fan bases. Do we really want him? Would we really want him? I did a list last, uh, a few uh, episodes ago of where I think he could land, um, a name that seems to be really prevalent right now, Indiana, seems to be very interested in him. They have Xavier Johnson coming back. Would they add Caleb Love? Curious to see. I think it's early to speculate on Caleb Love, but he, he's going to land somewhere good, and he's a good player. But you got to take the pluses with the minuses. Let's go to number three, another player that I talked about on the last episode, Kalel Ware. Six foot 11 guy, originally from Arkansas, just finished his freshman year at Oregon. And now he is in the transfer portal. And so, what I would say about Khalel Ware, if you've never seen him, did not have a great freshman year. But part of it was he's thirty five hundred miles away from home, three thousand miles away from home, whatever. And then, two on top of that, it's also worth remembering that when it comes to Kalel Ware, Oregon had a veteran loaded front court this year with Infali, Dante, Nathan, Bill, etc. And so, because of it, this kid is now in the transfer portal. And um, you know, he is a six foot eleven former McDonald's All American with elite athleticism. So in the least surprising news ever, um, he is a player that is very highly coveted right now. Put out a list. I believe it was through Joe Tipton the other day, Gonzaga, Duke, Arkansas, uh, most of the SEC. I know Ole Miss. Remember, Ole Miss is now coached by Chris Beard. Don't forget about that. So when Chris Beard and Ole Miss call, that now means something. The point I'm trying to make, the biggest names in college basketball are reaching out to this kid. I said it on last episode, but Paul Biancardi, ESPN recruiting expert, he said, that in last year's class, that included Brandon Miller and Nick Smith and Anthony Black and all those guys, that Kalel Ware had more upside than any of them, didn't produce. We'll see where he ends up. It'll be very interesting to see where he ends up. Let's keep it going to number four on this list. Now, I'll kind of lump number four and number five together. Two wings that have produced at the high major level. The first one, Brandon Miller, or Brandon Miller, Brandon, if Brandon Miller was in the portal, that'd be interesting. But he's going to the pros. I'm talking about Brandon Murray, excuse me, from Georgetown. So he's a little bit of an interesting story. Um, he this is actually his second transfer in as many years. He was a guy who started his career for Will Wade and LSU. He was an All SEC wing, six foot five, a year ago. Will Wade gets fired. He decides to transfer. He ends up at Georgetown near his hometown in the Baltimore, DC area. Well, now Patrick Ewing gets fired, and he decides to enter the transfer portal. And listen, there just aren't that many guys that are that, that have produced at the high major level like he has. This guy averaged 14 points a game in the Big East this year, 32 percent three point shooting from a six foot five guy with an NBA frame. Defends again. Don't know what the schools will be, but if you have a school that listen, I think he's going to hear from everybody. I uh, we don't have a list yet. Wouldn't it shock me if Gonzaga reaches out, Arkansas reaches out, Texas reaches out. He will be as high profile as anybody. And then I'll say this. We had another interesting high major wing enter the transfer portal literally as I got set to start recording today. And that is, how about this? Olivier Kangwa, who played the last four years at Tennessee, entered the transfer portal. This year, he averaged 10.5 points per game. Remember, he was coming off major knee surgery, He was kind of the guy. His breakout game was against Duke in the NCAA tournament, 27 points, five rebounds in that game. And he really was one of the few offensive bright spots for Tennessee. Was really good two years ago, gets hurt, comes back. It takes a while this year. And now he has that extra year of eligibility. And I think he just kind of wants to see what's out there. So again, that happened late Thursday, right as I got set to record. And so again, there's no way to know where he is going to end up but Olivier Kangwa is a name to know on top of all the other ones that I've said. Really quickly, I want to rip through some other ones because I get a feeling this segment's already going long. Two mid-major players that I like, well, really three mid-major players that I like a lot, and based on who is recruiting them, people like a lot as well. And one thing about mid-major players, I get it. It is tough to evaluate how a guy is going to make the leap from a mid-major to a high-major, which all of these guys are recruited. But what I will also acknowledge is I do think the last few years I have kind of undervalued the mid-major guys in my rankings. And we're starting to see those guys have a major impact at the high major level. Mark Sears at Alabama this year. Antonio Reeves at Kentucky this year. Um, You know, you go Jabari Rice at Texas this year. Arkansas through the years have had guys that have seamlessly transitioned to the SEC. And so I just bring it up because I am no longer the guy that's going to hold it against a guy. Well, he hasn't played at the power conference level. I don't know if it really matters at this point. So three names to know. The first one, this should sound familiar. How about this? Jameer Nelson Jr. Yes, if you're feeling old, Jameer Nelson Jr. is a fourth-year player who just finished his fourth year in college basketball. Ironically, he actually started college ball at George Washington, playing for my buddy Jamie and Christian, who does stuff for Aaron Torres Media. Um, Transfers after two years. Leads Delaware to the NCAA tournament last year, 20 points per game this year. And what I would say about Jameer Nelson, you know, if you watched his dad play, very similar, undersized guard, but tough as hell. You know, what's interesting is just knowing Jamie and I I know that Jameer Nelson was a little bit late to college, late to basketball in general, kind of one of those kids, you know, didn't want to play just because dad did. And then he kind of found his way there. By the time he gets to college, he turns into a very good college basketball player, 20 points per game at Delaware this year. Be curious to where he ends up. It's been a very quiet recruitment so far. I just think the family doesn't really care. They don't need the hoopla. They don't need the hype. Just curious to where he ends up. He will be somewhere good. Let's keep it going. Another name that's very interesting. Dalton Canette, six 6'7 forward from Northern Colorado, 21 points per game this year, 38% from three. You know who it reminds me of? Remember Baylor Shireman, who played at Creighton this year, was a transfer a year ago from South Dakota State. This kid's kind of got the same game athletic, passing, shooting. And he's a guy that I believe will be able to step in and make a major impact at the high major level immediately. Among the schools that have reached out to him, North Carolina wants him bad. So if North Carolina wants you, you know you could play. Indiana wants him bad. If Indiana wants you, you know you could play. Illinois as well. Really good player, Dalton Kinnett of Northern Colorado, a name to know. Final mid major guy, then we'll rip through some others. Denver Jones, 21 points per game this year at Florida International, about 6'3, 6'4 guard. He's originally from Alabama, super athletic, just gets to the rim, just a very impressive player. He has entered the portal, and from my understanding, he is a high priority for Nate Oates in Alabama. We will see if Denver Jones is a factor at Alabama couple other names to know, T.J. Bamba, uh, Washington State's leading scorer. He's originally from New York, so he averaged 17 points per game this year. He's got ties to the West Coast from the Pac-12. He's got ties to the East Coast from Washington State, or from where he grew up. And he's been reached out to by everybody. Now, UConn appears to have made him a priority. UConn is not going after very much in the portal, but they need a guy to replace Jordan Hawkins on the wing. He appears to be one of their priorities. Arizona, which is very coy and kind of secretive about who they reach out to, has definitely reached out to this guy. So those are some na- names to know there. A couple other names. Resticks and Waters was the Pac-12 sixth man of the year at USC. Versatile wing, 6'6", all that good stuff. He is in the portal. Everybody's reached out to him, Alabama, Arkansas, et cetera. Uh, Khalif Battle, wing from tennis. Uh, Temple. He is in the portal. Walter Clayton, Jr., We've talked about him. He was at Iona, leading scorer. He is choosing between his home state of Florida and St. John's following Rick Pitino. I think we'll get a decision soon. Graham E.K. from Wyoming, double-double machine, all-Mountain West first team two years ago, was injured this year. A couple other names, Kario Quendo from Georgia, second-leading scorer, elite athlete. Caleb Mills, Florida State, entered the portal. And then Kirk Reesa. Listen, controversial whatever, he is going to be an impact player at the high major level. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. It is time for me to get out of here. Before I do, I want to make sure everybody, make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres, podcast, questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres, podcast, questions at gmail.com. Also, if you're in Houston this weekend, hit me up Sunday. We will have an event going on pitch 25 in Houston. That's all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. Thank everybody for listening. Shout out to Tor Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Redick. UFN unblock me, bro. I'll be back Monday. We'll have a championship to preview and a Final Four to recap on the next Darren Torres podcast.